have a word of prayer. We'll take a look at the scriptures. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We ask you to release revelation. Lord, I pray this morning you'd speak to us clearly about your intention for us as a spiritual family. The IHOP spiritual family. What, it, what you desire for us as it relates to life together and who we are before you. So come, Holy Spirit, release revelation. I ask you to rest on me. Hold my hand, Lord. Let me speak as an oracle today, I pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start a new series uh, this morning called Life Together. Uh, we just finished a series, a series on the simplicity of the gospel. And now we're going to start a series on community and what it means to build community in a prayer-based environment. The Lord has uh, intentions for us as a spiritual family, as a church community, and I really feel like we're in that moment where the Lord is going to uh, really help us to see us grow uh, together as a, and in other ways, but really grow together as a spiritual family. I want to read from Acts chapter 2 and take a look at the, uh, the, uh, the model of the very first days of the New Testament church. <clears throat> and it, it will give us a good backdrop today to, to be able to discuss things. Uh, along these lines about community. So Acts 2, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There was a sense of awe. There were signs and wonders. And all those that believed were together and had all things in common. That is an amazing few lines, uh, I'll just be real straightforward, that is extremely adversarial to any kind of normal Western idea of how we do life. Uh, I'll make another statement. I don't think that is the normative way that community took place throughout the New Testament. I think that was really specific for the moment they were in. Because later we see Paul and he talks about private ownership and, and uh, generous sharing. And whereas here, they literally went into a communal lifestyle because of the impending persecution. The, uh, for them to say yes to Jesus immediately meant they were ostracized from every portion of society. And so they had a communal life. Later, as the church began to develop and grow and be established, there still was you know, private ownership sharing, 
things of that nature, but not exactly in this, in this model. These verses, though, give us an incredible background of what it looks like for New Testament fellowship, for sharing, for community. And this, this line is the one that, uh, this is the one that gets me. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. That's beyond physical property. That has to do with a sharing of life. Actually living life together. And so uh, I want to take us on a journey the next six or eight weeks. I want to talk about this issue of community. And this is a topic that I've never um, preached on uh, Publicly, I've shared in smaller groups, smaller settings, different leadership environments, but I feel strongly that the Lord is uh, taking us into a transition as it relates to the community of the house of prayer. And, and that has many different um, facets to it. The thing that we've got to do is this, uh, and I, I'm drawing from uh, Bonhoeffer. There's several books that, are, that I've read that kind of give me a backdrop, but Bonhoeffer is probably one of the key ones. There's a book called Life Together. I would encourage you to get it, read it, let it slice you and dice you. It's pretty intense. But one of the things that Bonhoeffer says is that you can't come to the subject of Christian community with human preconceived ideas of what community is supposed to be because if you show up saying this is what community means to me and this is what how I'll get my needs met in community what you'll do is actually do violence to what the Lord wants to develop in Christian community so what's required is for every part to say we want to hear what the Lord is saying and jump in together with how the Lord would lead us to grow in community. And I'll say this, I'm on that journey as much as anybody. I don't think I've got it A, B, C, D, and E laid out. But I will give you some of the thoughts that I have. And I believe the Lord is, a, is taking our, uh, our house, taking the house of prayer, the IHOP community, on a journey into what it means to go into true, true, true fellowship and true uh, community, to really be a spiritual family, a deep spiritual family. So uh, when I was in China, the Lord spoke to me on several things. One of them was obviously the issue of sharing our faith in the gospel. Well, one of the other things was uh, this issue of community, what it looks like to be a spiritual family. And, and he gave me this phrase. He said that the strength of anything is determined by how closely its components adhere to one another. The strength of anything is determined by how closely its components adhere to one another. And I checked with one of our, uh, one of our guys who's an, a structural engineer. I said, is this true? Is, did I make this up or is this the Lord? Is this actually a, a principle in engineering? And he said, yeah, that's absolutely true. The, the, the more dense in general uh, uh, something is, the more tightly uh, together its components adhere, the greater strength it will have. And there's different ways people measure strength. And, and if you know that, the different ideas of strength, I'm giving the generic thing. But the Lord was using this idea to speak to me about how the house of prayer has got to adhere more closely. The members of the house have got to adhere more closely to one another. The, the members of this spiritual family have to adhere more closely to one another. And so... It's gotten me on this journey. I've had a lot of thought and prayer. 
about. It's actually, this issue of community is something that I've, I've prayed and thought and studied a lot on for it to be a subject I've never touched in, in, in sort of ministry. Uh, it's one that I've actually spent years on, focusing on. And so uh, there are many pitfalls in the area of community. You can get totally inward, everybody kind of gazing at each other's belly button and just totally self-focused. And uh, that will take life right out of a spiritual family because the whole thing becomes how do we fix each other's issues rather than engaging in God's commission to, to bring the kingdom to a lost world, you know. Though there is a true component of love and care and fellowship with one another that brings us to healing in the midst of community. And in fact, there are things that there's growth areas in, in all of our personal lives that we cannot get to unless it's done in community. That we're made to love one another. Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you. Well, there's no way he could say love one another if it wasn't in our construction, if it wasn't in our makeup to love and to receive love, not just from God, but, for one, but from and to one another. So he's made us to connect and grip and, and, and give and serve and bless each other. This is part of our divine design. And so we have got to find sort of that niche that God wants to bring us to in, in community as a spiritual family, as the house of prayer, as a spiritual family. Amen. And so it's going to require some things of us. It's going to require us to kind of step out outside of ourselves. You know, if you're visiting or whatever, you know, I, I'm not trying to impose anything upon you at all. I, I'm speaking primarily to those that see themselves at, this is their main spiritual family, their main spiritual community. Now, some, I know when I say that, I go, you know, I'm talking to those that think of IHOP as their spiritual family. And, and I know there's people that come here, and you've been coming here a long time, and you go, well, I've never gone through uh, vision and values, so it's not really my uh, spiritual family. And to that, I just say, boo. Because that's not real. What you're doing is you're standing outside of the you know, logistical way that we identify who's a part of the, the church family here, and you're just stepping on the outside of it, and you're going, well, I'm not really there. I just enjoy the services and the prayer room and the worship and the teaching, and I like so-and-so, and I really enjoy the fellowship over there. Praise God. You know, <laughs> but I'm not a part of the family over there. That's, come on, man. That's not real. You are as much as, as I am. If this is where God's put you and this is where your relationships are, this is where your connection is, you're as much part of the spiritual family as anyone else, anybody who's gone through our vision and values, which is what, what we would say is our membership thing. You're a part of us. And we're a part together. And that's the thing we've got to recognize is we are a part together of one another. We're a part together of one another. That's called body. You know, the Lord gives this idea he says, you are all members individually of the body, of the body. Now, he could have said we're members individually of the nation, of the kingdom, of the whatever. But he uses body on purpose, and here's why. 
He could have said kingdom, and then we would have a vision of a, a broad, broad kingdom as it relates to our part in it. And that is true. We are part of a kingdom. But in a kingdom, you can imagine somebody who lives way up in the north and somebody who lives way down in the south, and they never interface with one another. Isn't that right? But he uses body. Why? Because in a body, the furthest that you can get from yourself is as far as your middle finger to your big toe if you stretch, and that's it. That's as far as you can ever get. You're always connected. Always connected. That was intentional. He wanted us to see ourselves as connected and part of one another. So the Lord's calling us to do life together. He's calling us to be part of one another, to move together as uh, true members of a spiritual family. That's what he's calling us to. Now, we've got to figure out how to get there. And part of, that's required, uh, part of the requirement of how we figure that out is, is upon me and our leadership team and, and us putting things in place that enable people to easily grab a hold of what's going on here as, uh, at the house of prayer and, and going on with one another so we can easily have handles to connect. But uh, part of it's also uh, the responsibility of how we do this is, is on each of us. Each of us have to end up being intentional on how we grow together. So I want to mention uh, a few challenges that are inherent and take you a little bit on our journey as it relates to us building IHOP Atlanta. One of the biggest challenges to building a prayer-centered community is our key way that we engage together is through corporate prayer. Well, if, if that's our main mode of engaging together, what do you do when, you have your, when, you're in, when you're in prayer? Well, number one, you're probably not talking to each other. Number two, you probably have your eyes closed a good portion of the time, right? You know, number three, you're, you're really, you're speaking to the Lord, you know, so you're actually having a conversation with someone else. And so there are a bunch of uh, immediate challenges as it relates to connecting to each other in a, in a horizontal way when our main mandate is to connect vertically. You see that? Jamie Pridgen said it's like trying to make friends at a library. You're not even, you know, you're not allowed to talk. And I totally get that. I go, man, that's totally true. You can't like, you know, just. And then as it relates from our staff, our staff are all required. They actually have a requirement to be in the prayer room and, and they're supposed to be here certain hours. And, and that's really about us being accountable to what we said we would do. Our staff, they raise their own support. They're missionaries. Part of what they said they would do as a missionary is to be in prayer 24 plus hours a week. You know, and if they've got people uh, funding their ministry as an intercessor and a, and a minister, and they're taking you know, 15 of those 24 hours that they're supposed to be doing prayer, and they're just sort of hanging out, that's just not, that's not accountable, that's not right, that's not faithful. We've got to actually do what we said we're here to do. And so that creates another dynamic because our staff is focused on making sure when they're in the room, they're in the room. So... Developing relationships in a prayer-centered community is challenging. But the thing is that we want to. We want to develop relationships. We want to develop real relationships that, that are strong, that breed encouragement, that breed you know, discipleship, accountability, care, camaraderie, 
you know, sense of being together in mission. We want to do this. And so this has been a, a kind of a challenging nut for us to crack. Now, our clear mandate is building night and day prayer. The Lord has given us that as, a, as a, uh, the key foundational mandate of our house. I mean, I still don't know if you guys understand. I mean, many people obviously do, but if you're new, you may not understand that 24-hour prayer in a live worship and prayer setting, that's, there's many people that are trying to do it. There's only a few people that are actually doing it. And the idea that the Lord has graced us to be able to continue in a worship-led prayer meeting for nearly six and a half years now is unthinkable. That, that's only happening one other place in the nation. We're praying right now for Fredericksburg, Virginia, because there's a house of prayer there, and, and I think they're about to go 24-7 worship-led, and that will be three in our nation. Kansas City, International House of Prayer, Kansas City, IHOP Atlanta, and then hopefully Fredericksburg Prayer Furnace. And then there's a couple other ministries that we know of that are heading that direction. But do you understand, for almost the last seven years, we're the only other night and day worship-led prayer meeting that's literally been 24-7 that's taken place. As far as we know in the world, we don't even know other ones that are happening in the nations. That's a pretty big deal. And I'm, I'm not saying that to toot our horn. I'm just going, that's been our clear mandate, and that's been where the Lord has clearly given us grace. He's clearly favored us, because that's not a, there's no way. Look, when I went to, to train about how to do a house of prayer, when I left Atlanta and went to Kansas City, I was sure we could build a house of prayer. When I left Kansas City after I'd been trained for a year, I was sure there's no way we're going to build a house of prayer. And that's still the, that's still the case today. There's no way we're going to build the house of prayer. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain anyway. And, uh, and there it is. And so we've had this incredible grace, and so many people have thrown it all. I mean, they've just, they've just gone for it. They've thrown all their chips in to see to it that the work of night and day prayer uh, has gone forth. And the Lord has continued to put the right people in place at the right moment. But and it, for us, it's never been this thing where we've had explosive numbers. It's always been just enough at just the right time. You know, one person transitions out, boom. Somebody shows up, and in the middle, you know, somebody's hanging on and burning, you know, to keep the thing rolling. And so, like I'll just mention this, right now, if you're a night watcher and you can lead worship, we could use you big time. Amen. So, uh, this has been our clear mandate, and it's been something the Lord has clearly graced us with and favored us with. At the same time, though, I feel the Lord really wants to add this component of real true community, real fellowship, real relationships, real community. Now, the way that our mode of building has been is simply this, that if something doesn't build the prayer room, we have not done it, intentionally not done it. What we've done is done, uh, we've, built, we've uh, established stuff that would build prayer at the expense of other things. And, and that's an okay way to build if all you're ever gonna do is prayer. And I'll just tell you this, the vision for IHOP Atlanta has continued to morph and grow uh, over the last seven or eight years as the Lord has continued to, to add things to us that we could never have seen before. And so when we first showed up, we didn't think we were going to be a church. We just thought we were going to be a, a prayer room. We just wanted to do prayer. Well, you know, you do prayer and then you got 
families show up and, and uh, well, you got to do a service because you got to call people to the vision of night and day prayer. And so we're preaching. And then, you know, we have people show up and we go, they go, well, we want to come to the prayer meetings. We've got our kids with us. We go, okay, well, we need some children's ministry. Okay, well, what we got to do is do some seminars, you know, so we can get some training going on. And, and then people come, they go, man, I love the worship here. I love the teaching here. And they go, you guys are actually our church. We go, but we're not a church, but you guys are our church. We're like, uh, what, what do you mean? And so about a year in, I've got 50 or 100 people going, hey, I hope Atlanta's our church. Don't tell anybody. I'm like, don't tell anybody. We're not a church. We're a house of prayer. And the Lord goes, if they think of you as their spiritual covering, guess what you are? <laughs> Here, <at> church. <laughs> Welcome to IHOP Church, Pastor Billy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> there it is. And, and the Lord said, you need to take responsibility for those that I've sent to you. And so about a year in, we said, okay, you know, in our mind, it's legal. You can join IHOP. <laughs> you can join IHOP as a church. Now, we've continued focused in, in a very focused way to build the prayer room. It's been our clear mandate. It's been the one thing the Lord called us to do for sure. And so it, we've, we've built the Sunday community in a sense, but we've just sort of put it there. We've done, a, we've done a vision and values thing, and we've just sort of put it there just so people could have a way to sort of say, I'm part of the house of prayer. Well, we didn't, we didn't develop a ton of other things that churches in the West have because we want to do night and day prayer. And that's how we've, that's how we've rolled. That's how we've, our model has been. And so it's been this way. We've looked at our Sunday services as a mechanism to build the prayer room. Somebody comes, here's the message. Here's there's a, a prayer room, 24-7 prayer. Go to the information meeting, and they're going to tell you how to get in the prayer room. Really, that's the way we've done it. And so then what we've ended up with is people that really want to be a part of the house of prayer, they come to the services, and they go, now, how do I get connected? And we say, go to the prayer room. That's our main thing. Well, don't you have, like, men's ministry, women's ministry, and all this other stuff? Well, no. We have a prayer room. You get to talk to God all day long here. Like, that's what we do. And so... The guy that's wanting the full-blown church experience, uh, you know, they come for a while, they like the message, they like the worship, they go, dude, I, I need like a men's group. <laughs> I got real issues, I need some guys to hold me accountable and all that. And we go, we got a prayer room, which the prayer room's good, and, it, and we've seen many, many people get dealt with in the prayer room, but it doesn't foster those deep, discipling, accountable, fellowshipping-style relationships. And so, Essentially, what Sunday has been is like you're showing up at a conference. You know when you, I'm not telling anything you don't already know, so don't look at me so, so shocked. You know like when you go to a conference, you show up and they give you a little thing, you walk in the door, you go, sweet, who's a worship? Okay, praise God. Oh, there's preaching. Okay, okay, we leave. Man, I felt the Lord. Good. That's a conference. That's kind of how we've done. I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty unapologetic about that. And here's why. Because the Lord called us to build a house of prayer. And it, it hasn't been done. And he gave us clear guidelines on, on what to do. And we just did the best with what we knew to do. And we went for it. And here we are six and a half years later. And we've got 24-7 prayer for the last six and a half years. I'll tell you what. If, that, if I die tomorrow and I can offer that to the Lord as a blessing to his name, Jesus I didn't build a mega church. I didn't have men's and women's ministry, but I did have 
24-7 live worship and prayer. We loved you, Jesus. I'm glad about that. Now, I think the Lord wants, to off, wants us to offer him a lot more and is, offer, is inviting me to offer him a lot more, and I'm excited to do it. But that's basically where we've been. And so show up, showing up on Sunday has been like coming to a conference. And uh, many of you have engaged in helping in, in, in the ministry here. But uh, many of you, you know, you come up and you show up and it's, it's conference, man. It's easy. And, and some of you, you're like, man, I wish I could get more involved. And some of you are like, man, I'm so glad I don't have to get more involved. It's like somebody said to me uh, a, a couple months ago. They said, man, IHOP's a great place to come if you don't want to get involved. I went, oh, what? <laughs> oh, it's an awesome place to come if you don't want to be involved. I was like, ouch. And see, here's part of it too. I understand that in the greater church world out there, there's a ministry machine that's run on volunteers and that so often people find themselves stuck in the machine and they serve and 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 they run around like Martha and they never sit at the feet of Jesus. I understand that. And that's why I've been so, I mean, I've literally been just standoffish about calling people to commitment and service. I just figured people would get it by revelation and they'll connect wherever. But I've really wanted to make room for the person that was like, you know, on fire when they came in here, like burning out and just really needing a place to rest. And so we've done that. We've enabled that. We go, hey, just come in. Come receive, come to the prayer room a few times a week, just lay on the ground. We don't even care. Just let the Lord love on you. Just get your heart moving again. We've really, we've really been paying attention to people who tended everyone else's garden and never took care of their own. And we've paid attention to that, that person by not demanding them to get involved in a big way. And I still, I still feel so strongly about that. Somebody comes in here, man, they're so burnt out. They've been running and gunning in ministry and they're just, they're just tired. They're just worn out. I want them to get their heart alive in God. And we want to always make room for that person. Just come back alive in God. Just let their heart flow and, and find out who they are in God without an identity of, of anything in the ministry. But by the same token, it requires, if we're going to step forward into being a community together, it's going to require a couple things of us. We're going to have to figure out how to connect relationally, and we're going to have to figure out how to connect missionally. That, that's really, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, but I'm, as I've thought it all through, we've got to connect rate relationally, and we've got to connect missionally. And, and those things will enable us to, to begin to uh, grow as a spiritual family. Now, before I talk more about those two points, I thought it might be good to mention our mission statement. And I'm assuming we're all on the same page in regard to our mission statement. Our mission statement's actually on the top back of our announcement sheet that you get every week. I don't know if you've ever read that thing, but uh, it's there. Just heads up. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe you go to Chick-fil-A with it and just hand it over on Mondays and get a free chicken sandwich. I'm happy for that too. That's good. But our mission statement's actually on the announcement sheet. So I'm gonna, I think, do we have, did I give it to you guys in the back? Yeah? Let's go ahead and put that up. And let's just walk through the, see, because for us to, t- to talk about growing together relationally and missionally, we gotta make sure that we're actually on the same page. 
So I, I just condensed it a little bit from what's on the back of there, but there it is. Shifting the spiritual climate over our region, resulting in revival in the church and reformation in the world, planting churches and houses of prayer centered in night and day prayer throughout the cities of the earth, raising up forerunners committed to prayer, fasting, and fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what we're doing. We're going to move something in the atmosphere and see a breakthrough of revival. We want to plant churches, houses of prayer, ministries. We want to send, and, and, and we want to raise up disciples, forerunners with a vision of the end of the age. They're committed to night and day prayer and committed to fulfilling the Great Commission. That, that's what we're at. That's what we are at our, at our nougat. That's who we are at our core. We're a house of prayer before the Lord, and this is our mission. That has actually been our mission from day one. We have, in all of our vision and values, we've shared that virtually, that same mission statement. That thing has not changed. I'm assuming if you feel like you're part of this uh, community, that mission statement resonates with you. And, and if it doesn't, then, then that's fine too, uh, you know, either it needs to, and you can continue to really, you know, go forward, or you just need to find a different spiritual family that has a, a different kind of focus. This is going to be our focus. We're going to pray for a breakthrough of revival. We're going to release and plant churches and houses of prayer, and we're going to raise up forerunners, end times focused people who want to have a, a lifestyle of prayer and fasting unto seeing the the Great Commission fulfilled. That's what we're going to be doing. That's where we're at. That's where we're going. That's where we've always been going. Amen. All right, so with that in mind, let's talk about the two points that I just mentioned about how we can intentionally transition into a true spiritual family. Now, as I said, just as last week, or last, the last series was like a, a, a marker where we're, we're adding to our DNA, we're adding to uh, who we are as a people, we're adding the proclamation message, we also now are adding again. And, and that's what I've done since I've come off of that sabbatical. I've tried to be uh, obedient to what I felt like the Lord was putting in my heart and give vision as to what I felt like the Lord wanted us to add. He wants us to add a lifestyle of proclamation, but he wants, to, he wants us also to add this, this uh, idea of true spiritual family. Life together, true community. All right, so the two points again are we've got to come together in relationship and we must move together in mission. Now, these are two things we've got to be intentional about. Coming together in relationship and moving together in mission. Now, to come together in relationship, it means this. We've got to be intentional about drawing close to one another in friendship and relationships, intentional, intentional. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to go ahead and give everybody in our community a pass who doesn't know the name of somebody you've been talking to for months. We're giving you all a pass. Nobody's going to be offended now if your good friend that you've been talking to for the last nine months doesn't know your name. And so just go, can you give me your name again? Just do that and we'll forgive everybody. Amen? Because I know that awkward feeling. Hey, bro, how are you doing, man? God bless you, dude. (laughs) I know it. So everybody gets clemency. And what you need to do is the next time you're having a conversation with that person you see often, and talk to you all the time, and don't know their name, is go, I am so sorry, I don't know your name, just tell me. 
that's right. Write it down. <laughs> I got it. Okay, there it is. And, but let's just go ahead and, and, and deal with some of the awkward things that we need to deal with. We've got to learn each other's names. We've got to find out who each other are. We've got to be intentional and step into each other's lives relationally. Intentionally drawing together means we've got to start having times of recreation and fellowship with one another. Simple, simple things to do. Uh, something my wife and I have wanted to do for a long time and then just never really pulled the intentional trigger on is just continuously having lunches with people and connecting with people that are a part of the IHOP community. And, and since I got back from China, we've just said, forget it, we're doing it. And so we've just <clears throat> started grabbing people and inviting them over. If you get invited over, don't think we're going to rebuke you. We just want to know you. It can be so scary. I, I remember so many times being in, 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 in you know, different church environments and, and you know, some, some leader or something goes, hey, I, I want to I talk to you. Let's have lunch. You're like, oh, my God. What did I do? And nothing. You didn't do anything. We just want to meet you and, and talk to you. And if you don't get invited over, don't be offended at me. Praise God. <laughs> that, that's like impossible to, to actually have every single person over. But maybe we'll do it over the next 10 years. First, I'll be last. So if you end up being last, amen. God's going to bless you for that. So we've got to be intentional. That means this. You've got to be intentional. you just got to grab people. Hey, man, I know I should know your name by now. I don't. Forgive me. And, hey, can we hang out? Why don't you come over, bring your family over, let's have lunch, and let's just get to know each other. Having people over around mealtime is a great way to be intentional about developing relationships. And so there's probably that cool couple or that, that, you know, that, that cool person that you've been talking to uh, you know, in some of our coffee times or whatever, just invite them over. Just have lunch. Uh, just do it spontaneously. We have uh, some friends who are, who are Latino uh, in their heritage, and, and Mary Beth says, yeah, we've been trying to invite people over, and we're having such a hard time and, and, and scheduling it all out. And, and our friend said, well, it's because you're doing it the white way. <laughs> you, you need to do it the Latino way. And we said, oh, what's that? She said, just come on over. <laughs> We just, you just come on over, you just do it on the spur of the moment, and you're just there, and there you go. And you're not going to have everything all set up perfectly. Quit trying to do it the white way. I said, I said, Gloria a Dios. <laughs> so, intentional. Intentional. For us, intentional means we've got to set like a goal. That's just how we are. We've got to set a goal. So our goal is a couple times a month. A couple times a month having lunch or dinner with somebody that, you know, is outside of our already established group of friends. A couple times a month. And there are so many cool people in this community that we're just, I mean, we just have lists of people we want to connect with more. And so it's so easy to do that. And we found it to be really sweet, really enriching. I really want to encourage you to do it. Just grab that couple and just bring them over. And look, you don't have to have the extravagant meal. I just want to let all the wives off the hook. You don't have to be like running around in the kitchen for four hours to serve your best. That's not what we're trying to do. I mean, if you want to bless them, it's great. But what we're actually trying to do is get to know you as you really are. Praise God. 
It's part of our biggest flaw in Christianity is we have an image of what Christianity is supposed to make you like, how you're supposed to be perfect if you're a Christian. And so we can't even be honest and open and authentic with people anymore. So he's like, say, so how are you doing? They're like, praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I'm like, what did you just say? We're in a worship service as soon as you open your mouth, but I don't know how you're doing. We got to actually be able to go, you know, I'm kind of rough right now. You know, half of, (laughs) there's a whole culture in in the church that says, you know, if you say anything that's like honest, it's anti-faith. Don't confess that, brother. Don't confess that. You're blessed. And I appreciate that. I don't want to go dropping curses on everything all the time. But, man, if you're rough and you need prayer, I think that's legal. I think you're allowed to say that. I don't think it's, you know, you're over there dying, you know. How are you doing? Praise God. I'm blessed. Life is falling apart. I think it's okay to say, hey, I think I need a little help. Help. Like my, my daughter, she's just learned to help, but it sounds like happy. She was happy. Happy? Happy. She said, help me, is what she's trying to say. There's got to be a place where we're allowed to say, need a little help here. Need a little help. Need a little prayer. It's godly, to be honest. Amen. And I'm all for a good confession, trust me. I'm all for a good confession, but not at the expense of openness and authentic- authenticity. Now, here's the deal. If we're going to be intentional about forming relationships, we got to risk actually being open, actually being authentic, actually expressing the truth of where our hearts are, actually sharing the, the good things and the struggles. Come on now. We've got to be able to risk being real Because I think one of the biggest challenges the church faces, not just this place, is everybody walking around with their hallelujah, praise the Lord on. And it all looks beautiful, but man, everybody's dying. Their hearts are shriveling. And there's no reality. Because there's some standard of Christianity that we're all supposed to be living, but it's not even real. So we run around hiding in shame praising the Lord with both hands at service and going and rotting by ourselves in isolation. Come on, I'm preaching good right now. And that, that can't be the way we do. We, we've got to get to the place where it's just, it's just honest. And man, if it's good, it's good. Man, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Man, how you doing? And if it's bad, it's bad. Man, how you doing? It's a little rough right now. We could use a little prayer. We could use a little prayer. Now, I understand this. Let me, let me tell you what I understand. I understand It takes a moment to develop relationship till you can actually get to that place of building trust to where you want to, you know, kind of express what's really on your heart. It's, it's, you know, let me just be honest. It's quite awkward when somebody that you don't have the depth of relationship with is like, how are you doing? You go, fine. They go, no, no, really. Tell me how you're doing. You're like, I don't really know you, actually. Uh, I'm not really feeling like I want to go there. Let's, can we have, how about we just have chicken? Let's have chicken. And from there, 
we can grow in relationship. Let's start with chicken. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? There's a balance. Like, don't walk out in the hallway and go find that person you still don't know their name and go, hey, what's your name again? How are you doing? They'd be like, this is weird. <laughs> I wasn't trying to go there that fast. There's got to be a time as we develop relationship, we, we begin to develop trust, and then we're able to get authentic. Does that make sense? And so we've got to risk being open and authentic. I'm just talking about right now, no, the, the number one thing is we must come together in relationship. We've got to be intentional to draw close to one another. We've got to risk being open and authentic. And, and, and from there, it means we've got to love selflessly, intentionally. Now, here's the thing. Real community, real community is going to be inconvenient. It's going to be inconvenient. It's not going to fit within our schedules. It's not going to fit within our time frames all the time. It's going to be inconvenient. There's going to be, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of challenges, difficulties. But here's the thing. Difficulties are what actually builds community. Have you ever noticed when you go through a challenge, even a crisis with somebody, how you're like friends for life? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those that are with you in the hardest moments through the crisis, through the challenge, those end up being your closest knit relationships forever. That, that person, you might not see them for 10 years. They might move across the country. You don't see them for 10 years. But as soon as they're back in town, it's like you pick up right where you left off. The Lord actually allows us to go through challenges and crises to draw together to one another. Because guess what? We're part of the same body. We're supposed to go through these things together and that's supposed to build our camaraderie and our community and our fellowship. And so we've got to engage in love and love is going to be selfless. It's going to, it's going to include service, sacrifice. It's going to be inconvenient. Sounds like the cross actually, doesn't it? See, the thing about community is, community is, just like marriage, a daily opportunity to live the cross, to put down your selfish desires and self-preservation and offer your heart to someone else, even when it's not what you want, even when it's not your desire. That's the cross, beloved. That's what we're called to live. I'm going to develop these thoughts in the days ahead. I know I'm kind of giving you a lot to think about and chew on. And I know this represents a big pivot for where we've been because we've just walked by each other and said, hey, brother, and don't know their name, and it's been all good. But we just can't do that anymore. Just can't do that anymore, okay? Second, first is we've got to come together in relationship. Second, we've got to move together in mission. We've got to move together in mission. And what does that mean exactly? What do you mean move together in mission? Number one, there is a story here. There's something that God's building. There's, there's a direction the Lord's taking 
us as a, as a spiritual family. There's a reason that IHOP Atlanta exists against all odds. It shouldn't exist. I'm telling you, somewhere around 2007, I was meeting with Mike Bickle, and I looked at him, and I said, Mike, it should never have happened in Atlanta. I don't have an international ministry. I don't travel the nations and call all these people to Atlanta like you did with Kansas City. It should never have happened. But the Lord gathered the people to pray night and day, and it's been happening, and it's not going away. In fact, I think we've done everything humanly possible to try to stop it, and the Lord is like, no, actually, I really want it even more than any person wants it. And against all odds, here we are, six and a half years later, night and day prayer continues to roll. There's a story, there's a mission, there's something God's doing here at this house. Uh, We're in the moment of of planting houses of prayer uh, in in the nations. I I just, man, uh, when I saw Roman this morning, I don't know where you are, but he'd been out of town, I hadn't had a moment to connect with him. He's walking past me, I just threw my arms at brother, getting ready, I mean, getting ready to plant a house of prayer in Matamoros, Texas, I mean, uh, Mexico, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's part of all of our portion together. I mean, and we've got other things that are going on that we're, just, we're, gonna, we're gonna explain them in the days ahead. But members of our community being launched by the Lord into mission, into the nations, into building churches and, and houses of prayer. And I'm going, Lord, what are you doing? And this is our portion together. There's a story going on here, guys. There's something God is doing here. And, you know, somebody asked me, what's your 1, 5, 10, 20-year goal for the house of prayer? And, and, and my answer is always the same. I don't know. <laughs> I want what God wants, and he hasn't told me everything yet. I just want what he wants. You know what I hope? In five years, I hope I love him more. I hope I'm more laid down. I hope I'm more abandoned to God. I I, I hope he's gotten out of us, you know, all sorts of crazy cool stuff we never dreamed we could do. I hope that we're flowing with the Holy Spirit in a way that we're not today. In 10 years, you know what I hope happens? That we love Jesus more. It's not that we're not strategic. I'm strategic by fault. I, I can't help it. It's hardwired. I'm automatically strategic. You give me an idea, and I think of the 10 ways you can build that idea. I, I, that chip is easy, but that one has is, is got so much opportunity to fall into worldly ambitions and how you're going to be better and bigger and all that stuff. Junk! I don't want any of that. I want Jesus. I want Jesus, and I want his story for us. I want his story for this place. Whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. I'm so happy to, to be alive in God. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Somebody said, well, how do you get people to stay locked into night and day prayer? How did you do it? I go, I know what it's like to serve in ministry. I know what it's like to do 70 and 80 hours a week. And I know what it's like to come up from that and look around and go, I don't think I know the Lord. I'm serving, 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 and I don't know God. And he puts me in an empty prayer room with a Bible and worship leaders singing the same songs over and over and over. And you're like, man, I'm ready to tackle that guy. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord, brother. Sing that again. I'm going to show you the fivefold ministry, my friend. But he just, he just throws me into this desert. Nobody knew my name. 
And there wasn't a platform available. My identity was gone. And all of a sudden, with a no ministry identity, I'm sitting in a room with the Bible and Jesus. And I'm bored to death. Because I don't know God. I'm bored with the most fascinating one there is. Something is desperately wrong with that. I said, God, I don't ever, ever want to get back on that treadmill. Always running, never moving forward. I want to grow in you. I want to be alive in you. And so I don't care what he makes of us. I just want him to have an inheritance here. I just want him to have a blessing here. I just want to be alive. So they're asking me, say, so what? How do you, how do you, why do you keep going? What is it? I go, it's not the ministry that gets me out of bed in the morning. It's Jesus. I love Jesus and I want to love Jesus more. And every day when I get out of bed, in many days it's like, oh, I don't want to do this again. I go, wait a minute. You love me. You love me. And my heart connects to that, to who he is and his affections for me. And I go, I can live forever in the light of that. There is no ministry vision great enough to compel me, but his story is great enough. And it starts with, he loves you. That will get you out of bed. That will get you connected to the spiritual family. And the sense of his story, his mission here among us, that will get you rolling again. And so many people, they've benched themselves because you got burnt out. I get it. Look, we're not trying to burn people out. We want people alive in God. But from there, there's a story that he's telling. There's a mission that he's offering. In your heart, all of our hearts are made to engage with the story. We want to engage. On the inside, we want to be in the story. What's my place in the story? So how do we move together in mission? First, we find our role in the story. What does God, what's in his dream for me? Why does he want me here? Why does he want me here? He's got something in mind. I want to be a part of his story. Ask him, why do you got me here? You've got something in mind. And then second, you know your gifts. You know what God's put in your heart. So for a long time, I thought leadership was about getting the vision, drawing people to you to be able to go ahead and take care of the vision, to grow the vision. You know what I realized? You know what leadership is about? Finding the destiny that's in people that God's put there and serving that and allowing the Lord to bring people into their destiny. That's what it is. This idea of gathering people to yourself to to fulfill the vision that God's given you, that is so off. Leadership is about loving people and fighting for their destiny in God. So, you go, what's my role in the story? And then you say, you've given me these gifts, Lord. How can I offer these gifts? How can I offer them to jump in the story here? How can I offer them to to get in the story? 
to help build what you're doing. And then thirdly, you have to be intentional, just like being intentional relationally. You've got to be intentional to engage with the mission, to engage with the mandate. How can I intentionally offer what you've put in me, God, into this place? I want to step forward in it. And I tell you, there is a place of fulfillment in God that you'll never get to with just worship and prayer alone. See, he's made us to interact with each other. So it's worship and prayer in the body, jumping in on his mission. All three together. I tell you, there's a flow that comes when you're flowing and those things together, beloved. So that's overview thoughts. Overview ideas. I want to develop those over the next several weeks. I want to give a couple prophetic words that the Lord has given us. And I want to wrap up with these things. The, uh, the thing is, I'm not into trying to build something out of my own strength or striving, my own plan. I, I just, I've got no interest in that. But what I want to do is get in on what God's doing. Let me just be in on your story, Lord. That, that's, that's, that's it for me. And the Lord has been very clear to us prophetically about the issue of building community. And I would just tell you, when he began to speak to us about it, it's just, this is how it is so often with prophetic stuff. The Lord will speak something that's five or ten years down the road, and when he's saying it, you're like, I don't even know what that is. He's talking about things that are not developed. You know, he's, he sees the picture, you know. He's, he goes, clearly, it's, there it is. And here's us little, you know, we're just little peons just going, I don't know what that is, Lord. You help me out here. You know, we're just hanging in there. And so we've been sitting on a prophetic word for, uh, regarding community for about five years where the Lord was so clear about building the community, the house of prayer. And uh, I won't go into the deep detail of it, but uh, one of our staff had a, broad prophetic encounter, something, it was a, one of these situations where they just got into a, a prophetic place and the words, the prophetic words began to come like a, like a fluent flow from heaven. And all they could do is just write and write and write and write and write. And it was one of those deals they just could not turn it off. Individual prophecies, corporate prophecies, out of that encounter, uh, the Lord spoke to us about uh, the season of renewal that we would be in. We didn't know about that that's what he was talking about. Then we get into the renewal. We go, this is what that prophetic word was about. Well, the Lord, I mentioned several weeks ago about GGC, that we're getting ready to really intentionally go after GGC. Well, go, come to find out when we look back at that prophetic word, there it is. It's all right there in the prophetic word. And the Lord's put it really deeply on our heart to go after this college campus and we'll be sharing things in the days ahead about some vision the Lord's given us. But along with going after GGC and this one prophetic word, it's five years old. Right there, it talks about building community in the house of prayer. Both of them together, they're actually connected. And so I'm getting these ideas about community. Others in our staff are getting these ideas about community. Everybody knows we need to build community. <laughs> Not like I'm telling you anything new. And we go back and look at this word, and there it is. And I want to read you what the Lord said. This is back from 2008. 
This is what the Lord said. And this is in context with the season that we're, that we're to go after GGC. Well, we're going after GGC this fall, going hard. And these two parts of the word were connected. There was a prophetic word there about GGC, how the Lord was going to reach GGC and use us as a house of prayer to go after it. Now, that's not why we decided to go after GGC. We started getting in our hearts. We went back and looked, and there it is in the prophetic word. Oh, wow. Well, this next part was connected to that. Here it is. That's what the Lord said. And I I tweaked it a little bit. I didn't add anything to it. I just made it easier to understand a little bit. I am releasing grace on Sunday services. There will be grace. There will be a greater fellowship in the body that I will bring. This will not be accomplished by human zeal or strategies to promote community. This will be a supernatural grace accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Short conversations will supernaturally produce greater heart connections between members of the larger spiritual family. You need IHOP community. It is critical to this movement, vital to this movement. You need it. It is essential. You cannot get to where I've called you without it. Vital, I say. Capital, vital, integral to this community. Pray for and cover each other. Seek out the gift of God I've placed on the inside of each other. I will bring many more people from different streams, different walks of life. Welcome them with open arms. I'm inviting, I'm inviting you to love them. How much can you love them? This is part of your gift. I'm inviting you to love them, for you will need them. They are critical for this house. Love them well. Serve them completely. Capital, you need them. They will bring and even welcome a dimension of grace to this house that you have not known. As more people come to the house of prayer, open your arms. Love them well. Love them well. I believe we're in that moment. I believe this is that hour. That community is to be developed here. And I, beloved, I don't know what it all looks like. All I know is I want to pray into it. I want to preach into it. I want to be intentional with my life into it. I want to do what we know to do as a leadership team to try to help. Many of you have got graces and giftings and ideas and all sorts of things about how we can build community, how we can build missionally. We need it. We need what you have. Some of you have been so burned out, you put yourself on the bench. We don't want to burn anybody out, but I tell you, you know it, you know it. There's a place where your heart's alive when your hand's on the plow. God wants to bring you back into that. Some of you have been aching for this. Sorry it's taken us so long. We're trying. We're just trying. We're just trying to do the best we know how to do with what God's given us to do. I want to share one more prophetic word. This is from a prophetic word that was given to Mike Bickle back in the 80s about the House of Prayer movement. It's a key prophetic word. It's actually called the Blueprint Prophecy, and it's called that because one of the prophetic brothers or was a part of uh, the, the, the church at that time that Mike was leading. The Lord spoke to him and said, God says blueprints are coming on Monday. God says blueprints are coming on Monday. He said, what do you mean blueprints? He goes, blueprints for the movement. Blueprints for the movement. He goes, oh, okay, well, good. All right, I'm in, blueprints. And randomly on that following Monday, 
they, they go to the office and some, somebody has left an envelope with a long prophetic word. It actually says blueprint prophecy. <laughs> you know, and, and Mike is so, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't take anything like that. Like there it is. He goes, all right, did you, who know this guy? Anybody know this guy? And did he hear about this? And it wasn't a public word and he hunts it all down, you know, individually. And Nobody knew anything. They didn't even know this guy that came and brought this prophetic word. He actually drew, drove like a couple hours. He was from a couple hours away. Drives in, leaves this word, blueprint prophecy. What has all these different things about the house of prayer, stuff we're actually stepping into now. It's amazing how the Lord works. We don't tend to get prophecies and then live by the prophecy. We tend to get prophecies, allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. If we step into something that he prophesied, we go, praise God, that's a good confirmation. That's kind of how we do it. So here's part of the blueprint prophecy I want to share. Here he goes. It says, even this shall be a people that shall be known of me. I shall be their God and they shall be my people. Their responsibility lies within me and their safety lies within drawing close together. Yes, I would have them draw real close together. I say unto you again that their safety lies in drawing real close together. There shall be unity of the spirit and of the doctrine. And your doctrine shall be my doctrine of my spirit. And so it's right there in the blueprint prophecy about how relationships will be very close in the house of prayer movement. That's not just for a Kansas City. That's for the movement at large. So beloved, just wrap up with that. There, this is the path we're on. I'm just setting the table today. I'm throwing out ideas. I'm hitting the turn signal again and telling you where we're going. My prayer is that together we would engage in these things. We'd find ourselves in the story that God's doing here. We'd relate relationally. We'd build true spiritual family. Uh, I believe the Lord is going to see to it. It's going to require a little sacrifice. It's going to be a little inconvenient. I'll end with a Bonhoeffer quote, just for fun. He said this, he said, In a word, live together in the forgiveness of your sins. For without it, no human fellowship, least of all marriage, can survive. Don't insist on your rights. Don't blame each other. Don't judge or condemn each other. Don't find fault with each other. But accept each other as you are and forgive each other every day from the bottom of your hearts. If we're going to live in community, those thoughts are going to be essential for us. Amen. Let's stand. How are we doing? Is that all right? Good. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you more than ever. We want to be the spiritual family you want us to be, God. We need grace to love, grace to serve, grace to give, grace to bless. We need grace to be open, to be authentic, to be a part of one another. We need grace, 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 grace. Lord, I pray that you would give us clarity and a true biblical model for what it means 
to live in community, to be a part of one another, to grow as a spiritual family. I say yes, God, to all you want to do in that regard. As the human leader here, I say yes to all you want to do as it relates to growing us together as a family. We are yours. Make of us what you will. We want to find our identity in you and who you desire us to be together. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Open up vision. Open up the possibilities. Let us see the way you see, Jesus. Let us see the way you see. Come, Lord, speak to us, we ask.